The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Okay, it's Wednesday, the 6th of December, 2023. We aren't going to beat around the bush here. Let's get straight down to business on TNT Radio. This is Locked and Loaded. I'm Rick Bunn. Gemma Cooper will be joining me in a minute uh, to chew the fat over another story. And also at 20 past the hour, the wonderful Ashling O'Loughlin will also be joining me from Ireland. We're going to have a deep intensive look at what's going on there. Ireland seems to be the hotbed of discussion points and news right across the world. And I'm getting messages from people everywhere saying, Rick, what's happening in Ireland? What's going on in Ireland? Unfortunately, it's for all the wrong reasons. So Aisling and I will be uh, breaking down what's happening at the minute in Ireland uh, in about 20 minutes, 15 minutes time. So please stay tuned for that one. Uh, there was a story uh, I was going to cover this week with uh, <laughs> Natalie, but I didn't get around to doing it, but I want to do it now. Trafalgar Square Christmas tree. It's an annual gift to London from Norway, has been viciously mocked by onlookers as looking like it's half dead. Uh, The annual gift to London from the people of Norway since 1947 recognizes Britain's support during the Second World War, but it's also been the subject of ridicule for many years. Uh, This year's Trafalgar Square Christmas tree is missing in parts. It's got branches missing. Uh, It looks bald in places. And it looks quite dead, according to reactions from passersby. The tall spruce tree, which has been lifted into its traditional position as the festive season gets underway, attracted criticism, with some people not very impressed by its uh, appearance. It's a bit of an insult. Sometimes if you want to give somebody a message, okay, buy them a gift, but make it a horrible gift. Make it horrible, okay? And you're giving them a message, but you're still being nice to them. So I think that's what Norway are doing with Britain right now. This tree, you know the way if you're scrambling at the last minute for a Christmas tree and they've all been bought, you go down to your local you know, supermarket and there's one left, the one that nobody wants, the one with all the needles missing off the things, the one with the branches broken, the one with the wonky bit at the top. That's the tree. That's the tree that Norway have sent over to London at this time as our festive Christmas tree. So anyway, a little bit of Christmas uh, theme there for you this morning. Another one. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but it struck me as being very tragic. Diagnosed with polio at age three years of age, Diana Odell spent nearly 60 years of her life encased in a 300 kilogram iron lung. Uh, She died when a power supply shut the machine down that was keeping her alive. So imagine that living your entire life literally encased in a in a in a 300 kilogram oil drum simply to keep you alive for 60 years. And at the end of all that, after she battled through polio all her life and she lived through those hard conditions, there was a power, power outage and she died. It just goes to show you how important that old electricity is for some of us. The old battery powered torch or the old wind up radio was of no use to uh, Diana O'Dell, unfortunately, and she has died. Lastly, uh, I'm sick to the back teeth of hearing this three words stop the boats, stop the boats. And this guy, James Cleverly, Rishi Sunak, said, I would stop the boats. And I meant it. Rishi, you have stopped nothing. Uh, we've signed a treaty with Rwanda, making it clear it's us who decides who come to the country, not criminal gangs. No, it's the criminal gangs who decides who comes to the country because you haven't stopped the boats and they're still flooding into Britain and they're still flooding into Ireland. There's, you don't stop anything, Rishi. 
you don't stop anything. And James cleverly has also said, uh, again, we will do whatever it takes to stop the boats. Listen, they ain't stopping anything, okay? Pretty Patel said the same thing. Sella Braverman banged on for a year about stopping the boats. Rishi's doing it. James Cleverly's doing it. Just close the damn borders. Don't let anyone else in unless they've got documentation or unless they can prove that they're actually fleeing from persecution or death somewhere else in the world and you have somewhere to put them. It's really not that difficult. So this business about stopping the boats is just another soundbite, but it's coming from multiple sources again and again. It's almost like a mantra. We'll stop the boats. We'll stop the boats. We'll stop the boats. But the boats don't get stopped. Okay. Just like staying at home did not protect the NHS and did not save lives. It cost lives. So remember, invert everything the government says. When they say they're stopping the boats, it means they're not. It means they're facilitating them coming in. When Sadiq Khan says he's cutting down on knife crime, he's not. It's getting worse and so on and so forth. But anyway, here endeth the lesson. Uh, I'll be right back after this short break with the one and only Gemma Cooper. Please don't go away. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, this uh, Stop the Boats slogan is actually doing my head in even more than the uh, Stay Home, Save Lives, Protect the NHS one. I mean, and it's that three words again, isn't it? Stop the Boats, Stay at Home, Save Lives. Well, it's only two words, Protect the NHS. They actually dropped the ball with the Save Lives one, didn't they? It said Save Many Lives. They needed that third word in there, don't you think? Well, it's really well known in neurolinguistic programming, in hypnosis, when you're trying to undo bad habits and all that kind of thing. The three-word mantra is a recognized kind of, it appeals to the command center of the brain. It goes straight into your kind of neural, all the neural pathways and the frontal cortex where you process your information. So I think that what they're saying all the time, stop the boats, stop the boats, stop the boats, just mm -hmm. like stay at home, all of that mm -hmm. stuff. If they say it often enough, you'll believe they've done it because your brain will have heard it enough times that you think, well, I think they've done it because they keep saying stop the boats. They must have stopped the boats. It's very, very clever. It is very, very clever. Mm -hmm. And we know how much um, the last three and a half years of behavior control were influenced by psychologists, behavioral insight teams. I mean, they were, they were on steroids, weren't they, through the pandemic, working all around the clock to do things to make us behave in a certain way. And language is so hugely important when it comes to shaping behavior. The other way is when you see something written down as opposed to hearing it from somebody's mouth. So if you walk into a room and somebody says, oh, put your bag over there, mate, you're like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. You don't really kind of say so what? You see a sign saying, put your bag down, you put your bag down. It's very clever how the brain works and how those empower know how the brain works so you're quite right stop the boats stop the boats stop mm. the boats especially when you're watching it on television or on on a screen with a flicker induced hypnotic state mm. that you end up being in when you watch a screen for a long time it goes straight in and you think oh they've stopped the boats they've stopped the boats no they haven't stopped the boats they haven't you're quite right they haven't interestingly actually uh just uh on this subject here uh you, about the neuro-linguistic programming so you do have the spoken stuff which is these mantras that they pump out these usually three-word mantras that they pump out but they did combine it as you have said very effectively with posters you can remember nearly every bus shelter uh in the town that i lived in had nhs sponsored you know look john in the eyes and tell him covid's not real you know and look look johnny in the eyes and tell him his mother didn't die from the cold you know and they had these uh 
you know, hammed up pictures of people with these huge bloodshot eyes, uh, probably just as a result of too much alcohol, I would have thought, but they're, they were putting it down to COVID. But then again, that was on every bus shelter. And then famously, I think, uh, from memory, they took out uh, front and back page ads in every single tabloid newspaper and every broadsheet for one day, at least in the UK, to try and drive home the stay at home, save lives, protect the NHS message. So lit- and on the radio as well, so and on the TV, uh, and in every magazine. So we really were hit from all angles with this one. And this is leading up, I think, nicely into your story that you have for us. You know, what's the solution to detoxify the mind? Possibly one of the solutions is to get away from it all and to switch off from all this stuff here, find a little bit of solitude. Is that not uh, a fair point? Yeah, it is an absolutely fair point. And the the subject of what you just talked about, it was brainwashing on an industrial global scale. We weren't the only country pumping out those adverts. We weren't the only country every night on television, you know, pumping it out, pumping it out. It was a huge exercise in brainwashing, which only served to wake millions of people up. So it didn't work with everyone. And there is a percentage of the population, it's proven, that cannot be hypnotized. And hypnotists know that when they do their stage acts. So yeah, it's us and them, it really is. But at least we're seeing through it. And this uh, story that I'm bringing to the table is an illustration of how you really can break this programming, break your kind of um, relationship with the control mechanism. And it works. It works. And we're always talking about, you know, take time out, take time out, go for a walk and all of those things. Well, a study out today from one of the UK's largest universities, which has been printed in a a scientific journal called Scientific Reports, uh, says it's proven that spending time alone is absolutely amazingly good for you and does reduce stress. Um, We are trained in our culture to see solitude as lonely or a little bit sad. You know what, you're on your own. Oh, that's really sad. Inversion, as you just talked about, Mm. is actually the opposite thing. Being on your own relieves all the pressures of modern life and it does it very quickly. So this study uh, surveyed nearly 200 people for three weeks and they had to keep a diary tracking the number of hours that they spent alone. Now by alone, the definition of alone is no face-to-face communication with any other human being. And the key, I think, to this is no digital communication, no email, no phones, no texting, and more importantly, no social media. Now, the more people spent time in solitude, the lower they ranked their stress levels. Every day for three weeks, they were asked three questions. How pressured do you feel to behave a certain way when you're on your own? How free do you feel to be yourself when you're on your own? And how in control of your day do you feel when you're on your own? And all of those questions routinely were answered in way, way more positively when people had spent time on their own. They said they felt more in control of what happened in their day. They felt free to be themselves and they didn't feel pressured to behave in a way society wants them to. So all of the stuff we're told about being on your own, like, oh, you're on your own at Christmas. Oh my God, what a loser, you know, or anything like that. Or what, you go on holiday (laughs) on your own. Oh my God, what a nutter, Billy No Mates. No, 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 that's taking control of your life. And they, they train us to think being on your own is a bad thing. It's, it, we're trained to think that that is awful. Invert it round, no. It's actually an act of rebellion and it, it keeps you in the driving seat of your life. So this research should be welcomed with open arms today. I know you're a big fan of it, Rick. I thought I'd bring a mm-hmm. good news story to the mm-hmm. table on hump day mm-hmm. and then let's all put our devices down and go for a walk on our own. Oh, man. You know, this. Uh, so many things just as you're talking there. Personally speaking, I am an absolute loner. Uh, my Apart from my wife and maybe two friends that I see maybe once a month tops each for an hour at a time. 
I am on my own. Uh, daughter as well, of course, uh, within my house. I'm good with that. But when I'm out and about, I like my own company. And probably it's for the best for the general population as well. I'm not a pleasant person uh, to be around. So everybody wins. Everybody's a winner in this situation. But without a shadow of a doubt, uh, I get refreshed and revitalized by going away, going for a walk. <clears throat> Excuse me, especially if it's in a excuse me, uh, a remote area where there's no people. The less people that are around, the better I feel. The less sound that I hear from other people's voices or pollution, the better that I feel. It definitely does do you good. And there's an old saying, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, does it make a noise? Well, of course it does. You know, sound waves are created, but nobody actually gets to hear them. And one of the friends that I do have is completely disconnected from all social media and all events. And he's the happiest, most carefree person that I know. And, you know, when I do meet him and, you know, I say, hey, have you heard about this? He just looks at me as I've got two heads. No, I didn't know there was a war in Ukraine. I didn't know there was a, you know, a, a, a terrorist attack in Israel. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. And you know what? He's blissfully unaware, uh, you know, and blissfully ignorant, I, I would say. But, you know, what what good is it doing him knowing all that stuff? He's more happy and content not knowing it. So all this, uh, you know, search for knowledge and getting to the bottom of the rabbit hole and coming to the conclusions and deep diving into this and deep diving into that. What does it get you at the end of the day? I think other than, a, a, you know, your head is melted and you can't do anything about what you find out anyway. So, yeah, disconnect. Uh, get, get yourself off, take yourself off on your own or with one friend maybe that you really enjoy their company with and just talk about life and things like that and revitalize yourself because hell's bells, Gemma, they're coming at us from all angles. We may not have been um, fell foul of the government propaganda, but how much more the people that prided themselves not falling foul of government propaganda, tying themselves in knots arguing and debating over complete bunkum that doesn't profit anybody anything online in the so-called truth movement it's all it's all a it's all a it's all a trap in my opinion it's a time and energy and spiritual trap it anyway, it it, it is at points i think it depends very much on what stage of your kind of uh awakening journey you may be on because i i remember my own quite clearly and other people are going through theirs and march 2020 sparked a lot of people to have a, a journey of of sorts yeah. if, early on i think it, knowledge is power and i think it, you know you need to sort of reframe your kind of um knowledge base to kind of see the world as it really is and that those kind of strands of information are important but equally as important as you rightly say is getting away from it all and i think you've tapped into something really powerful rick about saying oh i want to be away from people i don't think you're a horrible person i think your time spent in solitude makes you a better person well, i think maybe. i don't know where you've got that one from i do not maybe. know but um it's it's more though the way that society trains us into thinking that if you are on your own and you're doing things on your own because you are confident there's something wrong with you it really is a very powerful message that the controllers hammer home to us you know every christmas we have this kind of like oh people that are spending christmas on their own away from their families well maybe they don't like their families maybe they yeah. want to sit in front of the tv and eat a box mm -hmm. of chocolates and so then that makes them happy it's again the inversion thing of like it, we're told it's bad for us this mm -hmm. study proves the exact opposite um, and it's training your brain to to realize that solitude is an act of empowerment. Obviously, you don't want to be on your own all the time because loneliness is not yeah. a nice thing. But loneliness is different to solitude, isn't it? It's a different mm -hmm. mindset. 
Mm, completely different, yeah. And by the way, coming up to Christmas as well, yeah, don't fall foul of peer pressure that you have to be running around visiting everyone. You have to be hosting people. You have to be shelling out huge amounts of money, you know, just to do what everybody else is doing. Gemma nailed it there. Maybe uh, you come from a family, you know, that either don't want you or you don't want to have anything to do with them. Or maybe you just simply want to sit on the sofa, watch some good movies and 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 binge out on some uh, chocolate. If that's what makes you happy, then that's what you should be doing Christmas. Do not fall foul of pressure, societal pressure or familial pressure or friend pressure to do things and run yourself ragged over the festive period. I personally am going to be using uh, that time as total downtime. I'm going to be doing as little running around as possible and as much uh, isolation as possible simply to get my batteries uh, recharged again. And I think you may be doing the same thing, Jim. So thanks very much as always for that story. Love to talk about stuff like that. And uh, you'll be back again tomorrow. Ising O'Loughlin will be joining me in just a minute here from Ireland. So please don't go away. More incoming here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Kate Shamarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And, and I... If I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them. Don't get all excited. But I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying. And it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like. And your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, this is TNT Radio. This is Locked and Loaded. I'm Rickman, and I'm super happy to be joined again uh, by the wonderful Ashling O'Loughlin, who is beaming in from Ireland, also connecting in with our studio in the Gold Coast. Ashling is an independent journalist, and she's also a broadcaster, facing, in her own words, hard facts after 20-plus years 
in the mainstream media. Ousting Gemma, who's just uh, exited stage left, who was on just before you doing uh, the news editorial. She has a history with the BBC as well. So uh, people coming out of the mainstream, uh, having a bit of a wake-up call at some point, as most of us have had over the last you know three to 10 years at least. Uh, you're another one of them, as am I, as was Gemma. What a time to be alive, eh? Yeah, and to even look now at our former mainstream media colleagues, how they continue on with the charade. You know, people that we've spent so much time with and loved and cared for and laughed with. And to see them continuing to go along with the script, that for me is exceptionally hard. You know, I'm here and I'm looking at the telly a lot, actually, lately. I'm kind of mainstream media monitor, you know. And I just think, how can you go along? And I've discussed this so often with some friends who have come out of it. who haven't said anything, you know. People are very cagey because they're always trying to protect the careers. And wondered about those who stayed behind and made the money because there was nice money in it. Um, and just to think, how do they sleep at night? Because now we are looking at these excess debts. There, there's no denying what these crazy conspiracy theorists were saying, you know, during the past three, four years now, uh, pointing out all these anomalies which have come true. They are no longer conspiracy. And, you know, there was an excuse there at the early days because it was okay. It was the European Medicines Agency. It was the CDC. It was, you know, all these big expert groups, the World Health Organization coming out, but the vaccines. And you could understand that people would say, oh, right, it's these crazy anti-vaxxers. But now we have excess debts, mm-hmm. you know? So now what's the excuse for it all? Two things, actually, just on, on what you said, I want to pick up on just a question. Mm. Do you think uh, you could have some Judas moments in the mainstream media? And by that, what I mean is, you know, he famously betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. But then, you know, he had a, an anxiety attack and a panic attack and a conscious attack. After that, he took that money back and he wanted to give it back to the high priest. They wouldn't take it. So he threw it onto the floor of the temple. You know, he he realized uh, the gravity of what he had done. But by that stage, it was too late. Some people are just going to be led by money and they'll do anything for money. They'll say anything for money. Do you think there could be uh, people in the media now that their consciences do start to play on them where they realize what they've done could have actually cost a lot of people their lives? And when they look at their car or they look at their house or they look at the private education maybe their kids are in, they look at themselves then in the mirror and they think, hell, what have I done? Was it really worth it? Was it worth what I, uh, you know, you know, lied to people about? Or I knew in my heart of hearts that this wasn't real, but I kept doing it for the money. Do you think you'll have more? We will see more Judas type uh, experiences over the next, you know, few weeks, months, and years as people realize the gravity of what they have helped to perpetuate. Well, you know, it's always been a morality issue, hasn't it? And everything is a reflection of our morality and understanding right from wrong. And I think, you know, science and scientism more so, you know, has become the new religion and nobody was allowed to question it. I've got a book here that I'm reading. It's called Show Me the Science from Luke O'Neill. And of course, he was a central character to all of this, Professor Luke O'Neill from uh, Trinity College, Dublin. He was on the television, on the radio all the time. And now he's got a book out for children. And I'm just looking at the first chapter there and it's all about correlation and causation. And this is a big thing. I was talking to a medical student the other day and I was saying about the excess deaths and I was saying, but what about, have you looked at the excess deaths? Now he looked at me like I had two heads. He hadn't heard of it because it's not being discussed in the mainstream media. And then he came out with the line, well, correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation. And he is in his first year now in um, university studying medicine, this guy. And they, what, is, what are they studying? Misinformation is what they're studying. 
And this is what they're coming out with. So they have an excuse now for the excess debts, but it doesn't make any sense. It's a ridiculous excuse. They're saying, well, it was lockdowns. It's because there's delay in appointments and, you know, in hospitals. Um, everything but this giant experiment that people were coerced into taking part in. And we can't forget that. And now we have all the newcomers coming into Ireland and they don't have to be part of the big experiment. So what's going on? Mm -hmm. It is bizarre. And this uh, business of excess deaths, it's something that you cover extensively. You've got a, a great um, X or slash Twitter uh, platform. If you search just under Ashling O'Loughlin, you'll find her um, handle on there. And also she does uh, a Rumble show as well, Ashling O'Loughlin News, I believe it is. And you also have a Substack page all under the name of Ashling O'Loughlin. So you write and talk about this extensively as well. And it is crazy to see the uh, juggling that's being done or the acrobatics that's being done to try and spin these excess deaths around to everything except what the most likely cause of these excess deaths is, or certainly one of the major contributing causes of these excess deaths is, which is, of course, these injections that Ireland were only too happy, uh, the people of Ireland allegedly were only too happy to take up uh, at their government's request or under severe duress, threat of losing their jobs or being isolated from society if they didn't actually take them. But now I think the chickens are coming home uh, to roost in that one too, Iceland. We've got to take a, a little news break actually at the half hour mark. We'll do it now. And then we've got a few other points that I want to bring up so we, the flow won't be interrupted here. So if you can bear with us, uh, folks, we'll be back in about 30 seconds here on TNT Radio. Don't go away. Here's a little news flash. TNT Radio News. Matt Boylan here with a look at your TNT headlines. The Speaker of the US House of Representatives has taken aim at the House Select Committee for what he says was a one-sided investigation into the January 6 attack on the Capitol. A visibly frustrated Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's taken aim at those who've condemned his country's bombing of civilians in Gaza. And Russian President Vladimir Putin was expected to travel to the Middle East in a rare overseas trip on Wednesday before meeting with Iran's president in Moscow upon his return. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, uh, what we're seeing as well, Iceling, is we're seeing some people holding their hands up uh, around the around the globe at this point in time to say, you know what, I was duped, I was taken in by this, I was uh, mistaken in my views and opinions, and they 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 repent almost and they turn away from their previous positions when it comes to lockdowns, effectiveness of masks, and so on and so forth. Other people take the position where they actually double down on it when they're presented with the facts and they're presented with now what's becoming overwhelming evidence. They actually double down on their position. Now, in Northern Ireland, uh, there's a group that uh, has formed called Vibs NI, which is Vaccine Injured and Bereaved uh, NI Group. They're trying to get uh, a talk in Stormont, which is allegedly our seat of government in the north of Ireland, but uh, they need a nationalist uh, MP to back them up. They can't find one. They can't get the Alliance Party. They can't get the SDLP. They can't get Sinn Féin to back them. They've got a unionist uh, thumbs up. They can't get a nationalist one, so they can't speak uh, at government. So what they have done is they all went to England this week. Uh, they were invited over by Andrew Bridge and over to England to talk at the uh, UK Parliament. And one of our uh, politicians has said, utterly galling. Now, this is her words and not mine. It's utterly galling that the DUP see fit to run Northern Ireland into ruin and hold us to ransom. Yet they apparently, including my MP, happily attend seminars on dangerous rubbish 
at Westminster, such as this delightful meeting by Andrew Vigin, advertised as vaccine harms, disgusting. So she is labeling a group of people that have traveled from Northern Ireland to London to talk about their injuries and the deaths that it has caused in their families. As a direct result of these injections, it's labeled disgusting, it's labeled rubbish, and it's labeled ruinous. This is by a politician. Why not just simply say, okay, let's look at this. Let's see if there's anything in this. And if there's no evidence to support this, well, then we can't go forward with it. Why would you come out with rhetoric like that, Ashling, when it comes down to people who have lost maybe limbs or lost sons and daughters or fathers and mothers? I think we've got to see the real rotters. And in many ways, I really appreciate this moment that we've all had to get to see the true personalities and the, the true characters of people that we may have otherwise thought were okay. Mm. Um, now, you can forgive a certain amount of people at the beginning for going along with it, but right now, no. I'm sorry, we've crossed that line now. Um, the conspiracy theorists have been proven correct. So for her to now say there are no vaccine injuries, you know, that's more or less what she's saying, that it's so safe and effective that there were none, even though the court cases have started. We've seen that with AstraZeneca. Um, we know from Pfizer's own documents that the FDA tried to conceal for 75 years. Why were they trying to conceal it? Uh, thank goodness for the great work of uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf, uh, who has uncovered that and went through it methodically and put it out there. And still, you know, there's there smear campaigns against Dr. Naomi Wolf um, to try and stop the information getting out. We see it's coming out again now in New Zealand. We have a whistleblower over there, uh, but there's always going to be those people who were going to say the silly things like, well, you're just a conspiracy theorist or it's all mad. The campaign that they did on us from the beginning, they're gonna keep trying that until they, well, until they can't. Now, the thing is, there's enough people out there who are still so brainwashed and we have to remember that they're brainwashed. Nobody wants to hear it. All the intellects can't bear the thought that they have been brainwashed because it seems so silly, a notion. But unfortunately, we are looking at mass formation psychosis, AKA, brainwashing mm -hmm. and um it's you know very hard to break that spell especially among the intelligentsia the so-called intelligentsia who cannot bear to be told that they got it wrong so they are in a deep deep state of denial because it's embarrassing how could they have entered a ridiculous experiment at the same time the flu disappeared what a stupid thing to do and they put their kids into it as well it's mortifying it's embarrassing um, so they're going to keep playing along with this desperate lie. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have time now to, for the gentle handholding. We don't have time for that. It's going to have to be snap the hell out of it. And we all have to do vax on vax together, everything we can together to sort this giant mess out. Yeah, and I think that thing about pride is one of the things that's really a stumbling block for many, many people, you know, to, to hold your hands up and admit you, you did get something wrong. Maybe you did take something into your own body that's going to harm you or possibly uh, your kids as well. It's, it's a bitter pill to swallow. That's why I think we're seeing a lot of doubling down in this. But one positive I would say is the comment that I read you out from that politician, uh, she's an alliance politician here in uh, the north of Ireland, is the feedback on that was unanimously negative. So a lot of people, even people that would have voted for in the past of saying, look, you know, you're out of order here. This is bang out of order what you're saying. So I don't know, maybe it was said in the heat of the moment. Maybe she's gone through personal stuff. I don't know. But it was an odd thing to say that it was disgusting and that it was rubbish and it was nonsense. These are people's lives here uh, that we're talking about. And I'm sorry, but as an elected representative, you shouldn't be coming out with rhetoric like that. 
which leads me on to uh, Ireland again, uh, looking at some of the stuff that's been coming out of Irish politicians' mouths at the minute has been crazy. Uh, so I want to start off, Helen McEntee, okay, I am completely uh, bewildered and befuddled when it comes to Helen McEntee. This woman seems to be completely devoid of all emotions. Uh, she's pretty much expressionless. She doesn't get excited. She doesn't get sad. She doesn't get happy. She's just like almost robotic in her delivery of whatever it is that she's having to say. She looks like to me, she's grossly incompetent as the so-called justice minister. She has just successfully uh, retained her position uh, in the doll after there was a vote of confidence in her ability to carry out her job. What state is Ireland in when someone like Helen McEntee can occupy the position of Justice Minister while there is no justice and lawlessness on the streets of Ireland and still manage to pass a vote of confidence in the doll? What does that say about Irish politics? Oh, we are a basket case. But, you know, it is a vote of confidence in that she is brazen enough to get the job done, the World Economic Forum job, not for mm. the people, um, but there's the vote of confidence. The vote of confidence is she won't blink an eye. She will just keep going and brazen it out and ignore the calls of the people. Now, there are a lot of questions about this child stabbing the children who were mm -hmm. stabbed in Dublin city centre in broad daylight. And a lot of questions about the man who uh, stabbed the children, allegedly. Uh, who is in hospital, apparently in an induced coma, apparently he's waking up. But because the information is so sketchy and so weird, now we know knife crime is a, a giant, giant problem in Dublin. In Ireland, uh, a lot of it is imported crime, imported trouble, mm -hmm. that we've enough of our own criminals to try and take care of. And now we've imported a load of them as well. So this um, child stabbing incident, the way the Irish government and Irish captured mainstream media is covering it is very odd. It's Isn't very it? peculiar. And it's led a load of us to look at the crime scene, ask where is the blood? It seems like a bloodless crime scene. Ask who are the children? What are their names? All of those points that you'd expect from general reporting day to day that we would have expected before everything changed, uh, now has led us to ask questions. Uh, very, very serious questions, but they seem to want to just brush all of this under the, the carpet, uh, which is leading us to ask even more questions about what is going on. Uh, who have they let into the country? Is this guy actually stabbing children in broad daylight? Yeah. And then, of course, the riots that followed uh, Conor McGregor and his tweet about this is war. Um, and we don't really know what's happening. Um, it's all very confusing. We know they want to bring in this surveillance society. You, you know, we know that they want to track us. And it's all beginning to look incredibly suspicious. Tell me this. Uh, here's here's the thing. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing everything you're saying regards to this incident that happened in uh, Dublin. It's around about uh, two weeks ago now. Uh, the stabbing of the three children plus a crash worker, a community worker, apparently done by an Algerian immigrant. He was beaten over the head and disarmed by some Brazilian Deliveroo driver. 310,000 euros been raised for that guy in a crowdfunding thing. There's been scant and no news at all or names or pictures of the, the, the alleged victims. It's, it is very, very bizarre. And a lot of people are messaging me saying, is, did this happen? Did it not happen? I, I can't say one way or another. I don't know. This is what's being reported. But we do know what happened as the aftermath. But another point that you uh, rightly made there too, 
it, whether this was staged or real or it happened or it didn't happen, the amount of people that have been viciously, brutally stabbed, look at uh, Ashling Murphy, uh, in the case that happened with her recently, or the two gay men that were decapitated, a third one lost his eye through violent knife crime, and there's no shortage of knifing incidents that are happening in Ireland at the minute. I think it is fair to say that, you know, it's coming from a certain demographic. That's without any shadow of a doubt, but Irish people can and do stab each other as well and we shoot each other and we blow each other up and we beat each other up too but there's extra burden being placed uh, on the so-called policing system at the minute from people that maybe should never have been let into the country in the first place and of course then we had these so-called rats afterwards and again uh, McEntee came under a lot of flack about that but she's managed to cling on to her job and then the introduction of this hate speech law that she's adamant that she wanted to get pushed through by the end of the year after it hit a blip during the summer. You remember that? It was on a little bit of a stalling process. Now all of a sudden it's full speed ahead. Is it all lining up as old? Uh, remember the the A-team, uh, Hannibal, he said, I love it when a plan comes together right at the end. Is this the Ireland's equivalent of the A-team? Is the Irish government at the minute? Well, I'll tell you what's really getting in the way of their plan is X, Twitter, Elon Musk. Yeah. Uh, now, over in Telegram, of course, we've got everything worked out, but years in advance, I would say, but there's only a few of us over there. Uh, but X is an opportunity to actually talk to people in the middle uh, who may be looking on and going, well, this is all a bit odd. There's something strange happening. Who may be afraid to talk? Because we have that in Ireland where people are very much afraid to talk because they don't want to be labelled racist or mm -hmm. far right or conspiracy theorist. They're terrified of being labeled a name which they have to just get over now at this point but x is saving us and elon musk's tweets as well um coming out of the blue like that all eyes on ireland i mean one of his tweets got something like 40 million views uh, and so he's bringing the spotlight onto ireland the spotlight i would say that our politicians do not want because they are looking absolutely dictatorial and ridiculous and unreasonable and unfair uh, and this story, uh, if you look at the child stabbings and look at the stabbings, even, um, even Ashley Murphy, let's say, initially it was reported in the Irish Times that she had been strangled. That's right. So why did that go out? We have to ask ourselves, why did that go out? You know, it, there's a huge difference between being strangled and being stabbed 11 times in the neck. So and that went out in the Irish Times, the paper of record. So then we look at Conor Gallagher, the, um, the journalist who wrote that. And we're thinking, well, that was very dodgy you know, that that went out in the first place. And then we see how they try to protect the person who's done the stabbing, the perpetrator. We saw what happened in Dublin airport that time. Apparently it was a cry for help. Uh, the guy right. who stabbed one. the German mm -hmm. tourist. So very bizarre. And again, with the beheadings in Sligo and the guy with his eye gouged out, it was nearly like there was sympathy for the perpetrator mm -hmm. and not for the victims. And it was mm -hmm. the media did everything in their power to protect the perpetrator and they're continuing to do that so very very strange behavior i spent a good while looking at child stabbings across europe and again we don't have names we don't have faces we're not allowed to connect with the victims we don't get the proper story we don't get their background we don't get candlelight vigils we don't get an opportunity as a community as you would expect to pray for these victims and to discuss it in a reasonable fashion as you would have expected, these are huge, massive stories, deserving of debate, de deserving of discussion, and we don't get a chance to do that. Instead, we're called names.
Yeah, that's that's why I think it's important, you know, to cover off this stuff because you know if you do ask questions and you do ask certain questions, you're you're deemed to be you know intolerant or you know mm -hmm. a xenophobe or even if you think about uh, the impact statement that Ashley uh, Ashley Murphy's boyfriend uh, read out uh, that was completely pasted over by the press or even villa he was vilified by some members of the Irish press because it said he was stirring up hatred. He just simply said, "How can someone be allowed to come to Ireland for over ten years with?" their family contribute nothing to society do nothing to integrate and then brutally murder my girlfriend you know and, and the family still they aided and abetted him in this as well you know they're being investigated for this too he simply said how is this right that this can be allowed to happen in ireland today and of course that statement was coming from a man who just lost his partner probably wanted to spend the rest of his life with her and she was murdered horrifically brutally massacred i would say uh you know in in ireland by somebody that should not have arguably been here in the first place was he wrong to say that according to some uh, factions of the Irish press yes he was so it's important to give this stuff light and to look at it from all the angles and not just take anything at face value because I think that's one of the uh, main pitfalls that we can fall down is just to automatically assume that everything we're being told even from alternate sources is true we'll have to question absolutely everything we've got to take another uh, short break right now I think and when we come back I want to look at some of the other crises that are currently ongoing in Ireland there's no shortage of crises to talk about so we'll do that when we come back here on TNT Radio. Don't go away. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, of course, the biggest story in climate right now is Vice President Kamala Harris leaves for the climate conference with the biggest carbon footprint in history. She's heading to Abu Dhabi or whatever for COP28 in Joe's place with hosts under fire for wanting to push oil and gas deals. Do you know why there's so many people there? Because they realize what a scam this is and they're trying to push oil and gas deals. Anyway, she left and there's 400,000 people expected there. Now, do you really believe that there's 400,000 people are all interested in eliminating fossil fuels? I would say there are quite a few of them, given Abu Dhabi is in the Middle East and there's a lot of oil in the Middle East, that are seeking to do business because they know what a scam this is. And let's see, at its head, Sultan Al-Jabbar has denied reports he's using meetings at the summit to make side deals on fossil fuels produced by the United Arab Emirates. I'm sure he's smart enough to probably be doing that. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather, even if we can't go over to Abu Dhabi, because it's the only weather you got. Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third generation race car driver, and we dedicate a lot of our time to going as fast as possible. But when my grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently, experiencing problems with their memory, or having trouble with routine tasks. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services, make a plan for the future, and access available treatments. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. In a secret lab, somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. He's a brilliant, naughty boy! TNT Radio. Now go away! 
Yeah, we love that sweet to hear. It always raises a smile uh, on TNT Radio. Uh, welcome back to the last part of the show. The time just goes by so quickly. There's so many things I want to try and squeeze in. Conversation here with Ashling. Ashling, another uh, rogue uh, that's part of the Irish government, the so-called integration Minister Roderick O'Gorman has said there is a potential that asylum seekers who have not been offered state accommodation will take legal action against Ireland. Uh, we're seeing people that are being brought in and told this week the accommodation literally is running out this week. They could be housed in tents, possibly if they come here. They've been promised uh, turnkey accommodation by certain factions. When they arrive, they're not getting what they were promised. So a lot of disgruntled people, a lot of disgruntled Irish people, a lot of disgruntled people that have come to Ireland expecting heaven and then uh, getting delivered hell to them in their eyes anyway. Roderick O'Gorman, another person, how is he clinging on to his job? Come on, tell me that one. Well, it's all just so stupid, isn't it? It's all so stupid and in our faces now. And it really is like we are being made to wake up. Because we know with COVID, people did not want to wake up. They're too comfortable. Now it's getting to a state where it is so outrageous, so in your face and so ridiculous. You have no choice but to snap out of it and to wake up up um so again you know Roderick o'gorman he put out the invite all over the world in multiple languages come come to ireland and we'll give you loads of free stuff and that's worked obviously you can't blame anybody you know for coming over and you don't even need your documents so if you've got a criminal past you know all the better to get the free stuff and we've noticed there's an awful lot of uh, health mental health issues coming into the country and we can't even look after our own mental health issues, let alone um, from countries all over the world. And Roderick O'Gorman is a very, very strange character, you know. Um, even if you look at these these new curriculums going into the schools, uh, very, very strange character. What's he doing there? Did anybody even vote him in? Uh, and yet we're stuck with them. We're stuck with all these strange characters. Um, that are apparently representing us, but they don't represent us at all. And the big question for the Irish people is how do we get rid of them? How do we get them out? And it's going to prove to be, I think, quite difficult. Um, and again, and the big question is, are they bringing these people in to vote for them? Because they know the Irish people won't vote for them. I mean, that is, you know, another theory as to what are they doing, opening the borders and bringing everybody in? We know they want to bump up the population. We know that is something they want to do. Meanwhile, the native population is going down, but the mm. foreign population is going up. Uh, so these are huge questions for Ireland. They're terrifying questions. They're questions people don't want to answer because we're still quite comfortable. You know, it's very it's been very cold here in Ireland the past few days. And a lot of the newcomers were put in tents. Now I can't even begin to imagine mm. how anybody would have survived the past few days in a tent. You know, being in great comfort here, really, I am, with fires going and all the rest, um, cushions, and, you know, still I've got a cold with all of that. So I can't imagine what it's like being in a tent and being brought over. Now, you could have some money, and we know that they're getting very good social welfare and all the rest, but it's not enough. Um, and if Ireland really is full, it's not enough social housing. I mean, in one breath, they're gasping on the mainstream media, telling us that they're putting up these modular homes for the Ukrainians. Gasping. And in the next breath, they're telling us that it's hit 14,000 homeless Irish people. And what are we going to do about it? That's how ridiculous the situation is. It is so beyond stupid. We're just 
sucking it up. We don't really have much choice because they've taken the media and they've captured the, well, what's left of our democracy. So all we've left is these kind of pockets where we can discuss it. And there's another there's another thing actually just following on from the points that you've just made there. You know, it's highly antagonistic to people that are struggling in Ireland to see, for example, and they are seeing it, uh, people being bussed in uh, certain communities and getting what looks to be preferential treatment over, you know, us Irish natives. And I use that, you know, with inverted commas around it uh, for the benefit of people that are listening rather than uh, viewing this at the moment. It's antagonistic. There's also a crisis with the Irish police force uh, and Gordy Shikana. Uh, they're having a recruitment uh, shortage at the moment. They can't get the recruits in that they need. They're talking about most senior officers will probably resign at chief superintendent level and above over the next two years. They can't even get an Irishman in to fill the post of uh, head of Irish intelligence. There was talk of advertising it in China and Russia. Can you imagine a Chinese or Russian uh, head of the Irish intelligence service? To me, it's rubbing salt in the wounds. But the, the, the guard of business, they were also talking about the possibility that people uh, from other nationalities could be recruited into the guards or into the Irish police force. So effectively, the people may be protesting on the streets against uh, plantations in their towns and cities would actually be policed and have to succumb to or the follow the law of the people that they're actually trying to protest against in the first place. Would that not be the final, uh, you know, slap in the face if, you know, you turned out to a protest in Dublin and you found out that half the guards that were there were actually uh, just arrived into the country from who knows where, uh, doing God knows what, and they're, they're at the other side of the police uh, barrier. Would that not be a little bit of a, a shocker? We're not that far away from that, are we, Rick? We're really no. not that far away. We know morale in the force is at an all-time low. Uh, was it a setup the other night with the riots? There was one cop, apparently he's had his toe amputated. Very hard to know again, we've no names. Uh, footage, again, you see, we're in this crisis where we don't know what to believe anymore. We've had years and years of lies now. So people are really confused. We don't know what's real, we don't know what's not real. We know our media lies. And we know that, at least in Angarda Siakona, that 99% of them do not want Drew Harris as their commissioner. They don't want him as their leader, and they don't want Helen McEntee either. And again, it's another matter of, well, suck it up, buttercup, because these guys aren't moving. They are digging their heels in. And any other time, Drew Harris would have had to resign. He would have had to have stepped down. You cannot continue with that level of discontent in the force. But we know what they're doing. We know that they want the Irish cops out and the new fellas in. And we know that's the aim of the game. Uh, we know that the aim is to demoralize them to such an extent that they, that they leave. Uh, and that would leave us in a, an absolute dangerous predicament where there are foreigners um, who have no care, have no idea about Irish culture, no idea about what we are, what we're about. Um, enforcing what? World Economic Forum policing policies? Enforce vaccinations? I mean, this is all becoming incredibly dangerous. And the reason we're at this level of danger is because the sleeping Middle Ireland has allowed it to get to this stage uh, by agreeing, say, with RTE News and not doing due diligence and doing their own homework and using their critical faculties.
Yeah, and, and you know what? Um, I grew up in the North, you know, during the Troubles, which were 1969 to roughly 1994. I was born in 1973. So I grew up in the environment where there were uh, people, you know, civilians killing each other, army killing civilians, civilians killing army. Everybody was fighting amongst themselves for the best part of 25 years because people reached the tipping point in various areas and it bubbled over into 25 years worth of violence. Now, that seems like a distant memory away. 1994 is a long time uh, past since the so-called ceasefires came into play. But you can almost see the same... Uh, scenario building up uh, in the Republic of Ireland at this point in time that built up in the north uh, back in 1969 that bubbled over into violence on the streets and you know police and soldiers and prison officers being targeted the army being sent in and they were shooting civilians and civilians were retaliating terrorists were retaliating uh, I don't think it's that far away at the minute because everybody has a limit and everything has its own breaking point. And I don't know how much more Ireland can take. I think you talked about the homeless figures now. There were 12,000. They're up to roughly 14,000 now. Uh, you know, if a mass unemployment kicks in here, uh, which it probably will whenever everything falls because everything's running on fumes and debt at the moment. Factor that in with, uh, you know, what's going on with, you know, all these lack of justice. There's a lack of justice. There's a lack of policing. There's a lack of morality. There's a lack of everything. People can only reach so much before even the, the Middle Ireland who have been awake up until now say, you know, to hell with this. Uh, we need to take some uh, serious action here. We're not advocating balance. So we're not saying that that's the way to go. But you can't blame people for reaching that point and then bubbling over into violent action. Well, you know, I think it's fair to say at this point that law and order has broken down in Ireland. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that's reflective of a very serious situation. It's broken down because of the policies of our rogue government and our rogue media. So it's going to be up to the people to stay calm. You know, we've got to really stay calm in all of this and not be manipulated. You know, Ireland and the world has been badly manipulated and conned these past few years by experts and people wagging the finger and, you know, throwing labels around. Now it's up to us individually and collectively to take in what is happening and not be manipulated. I mean, I look at Conor McGregor now coming out. He wants to be president of Ireland. Uh, look, let's look at Conor McGregor's track record. Let's yeah. look, you know, this is people want a hero. So they're desperate for a hero and they're like, oh, okay, Conor for president. I'm like, stop it. Stop. Have you heard him talk? Um, do you, is that who we want for our president in our desperation, you know, in our absolute desperation? <laughs> but what we have to be really careful about is, yes, we are desperate, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we go out of the frying pan and into the fire. Yeah, yes. uh, and I, We have to be really steady Eddie about this. And I think one way out is that we have standards. And, you know, that's about being close to God because God's got standards. Law and order yes. is godliness. Cleansliness mm -hmm. is godliness. You know, all of those old fashioned um, traits that we, I suppose we've scoffed at really in the past. We had to come away from it really to learn that, wait a second, there was something to this. Yes. And I think we would need to return to, and I'm not talking about the church, but we need to find the God within. We need to love truth. Love truth. If we love truth, we'll, that can be our guidance. But that is an individual thing, not somebody telling you how to think. Uh, and not being afraid of those labels, I think that, that'll get us out too. It won't be violence. We've seen it up in the north. We all got fed up of it. Uh, we saw those innocent people get murdered and killed and the heartache. Nobody wants a return to violence in Ireland. We are so fed up with violence. We can do this. We're good speakers. We're good thinkers. We're good writers. We're good singers. Um, 
this is how we'll get out of it. And we'll do it calmly, we'll do it together, vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, conspiracy theorists, people with a whole range of different ideas and personality types will still come together and uh, we'll do it. We will most certainly will do it because we have to do it. We have no other choice. No, we don't. I love your uh, optimism there, and you're right uh, on so many points. Uh, you know, the Bible also says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So it's truth that ultimately will break these uh, bars that are around us. We need it to be out there, and that's why they're trying so hard. They're trying their absolute level best to suppress you, to suppress me, to suppress uh, an output like TNT Radio, what you're trying to do, and rumble or through your substack and everything else. But you know what? We will persevere, and we shall overcome. That's what I believe. So when bang into that optimism from you and thank you very much for spreading it because damn it we need it uh, Ashling, we need, we need it. A more optimism here so big thanks to you we're at the end of the show massive thanks to Ashling O'Loughlin please follow her on her social medias and also I shall be back again tomorrow morning at 9am with Natalie Cheela on the Open Line show so don't go away James Freeman is currently incoming here like an Exocet missile on TNT Radio